it all came together quite nicely, as one would expect, <laughs> as everything is connected. <laughs> so you'll see that the zookeeper, who in his youth mm. really wanted to be part of the real league, but had to fall back on zookeeping. The truth is, though, his girlfriend, a competitive farmer, believed in him so much, she convinced mm. her great uncle, who sits on the FIFA board and put a good word in at Manchester United for the zookeeper. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, using lovely river stones and natural wood boards, we play an abstract game of push and pull and shove right off in Shobu. Next, we go head-to-head and fist-to-face as villains and heroes with changeable dice in Kapow. And lastly, we solve mysteries the cosmically interconnected way. In Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, everything is connected. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. I'm Evan Bernstein, and bravery is in the eye of the beholder. I'm Ed Povolitis, and there's no point in using the word impossible to describe something that has clearly happened. I'm Mike Grenier, and not all superheroes wear capes. Our first game up this week is Shobu, designed by Manolis Franus and Jamie Zajac. Published by Smirk and Laughter Games in 2019, number of players 2, ages 8 and up. Playtime, 15 to 30 minutes. Okay, when we found this game while hiking along the river's edge, what were our first thoughts? Evan? Let's see. Four boards, one piece of rope, and 32 stones. I'm more than intrigued. Mike? Is this an ancient game brought back from the dead? Ed? Cool stone. Looks like you placed this next to your rock garden a peace and tranquility. I loved seeing the chess-style board drawn and quartered. Let's see how else it can mess with the classic abstracts. But before we get started, Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played. In Shobu, two players square off on four wooden boards, each board with four natural river stones per player. On your turn, you must first move one of your stones up two spaces in any direction, including diagonally in what is called a passive move. Second, match that move with another of your stones on the opposite color board but the second move allows you to push your opponent's stone off the board's edge. Remove all four of your opponent's stones from any one of the four boards to win. That's it. It's simple, but it took me a while to really grasp it. Yeah, but like most elegant games, easy in the instructions, it takes a lifetime to master. Mm -hmm. Tons of complex choices to make because you're trying to focus on a board and then a board diagonally across from it that are doing the same thing. It's kind of like, Thinking like quantum entanglement, like this thing's going to make this thing over here happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we already said this is an abstract game. And I really did love the four boards and how they were interconnected. Uh, What did you guys think of splitting up the chessboard like that? Oh, it's really cool. I mean, the the four boards are all lovely crafted out of wood. I mean, they look like, I don't know, something like you would find in a craft store. It actually looked to me like it was an ancient game from ancient Japan. So I went online looking it up. I'm like, okay, where did they get the idea for this? How did they resurrect it? I looked everywhere and I I couldn't find anything. And when I asked Kurt, he's like, no, these guys made this game up. Including the name? 
Yeah, the name, there's actually the name of a town located in Japan. So they just borrowed a town name. Is it a river town? Because that would make sense. It would. And especially if the town were uh, divided into four quadrants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Two friendly quadrants and two hostile quadrants. <laughs> I love the river stones in this game. They definitely steal the show. It actually psychologically helps you stay calm while playing. So <laughs> I do believe physically touching those stones cuts down on the frustration level that you might normally feel when your piece gets shoved off the board. <laughs> yeah, because you have a rock in your hand ready to throw at your opponent in case uh, you're super mad about it. The soothing tactile elements were really great for the feel of this game. And the look, too, because I can't think of any other game that comes with its own little piece of rope. And what is the rope for? What's that little piece of rope for? divide the playing field in half so one player and the other players did across from each other. Which is a nice touch. You could play the game without the rope. Yes, you could. But having it there is just much <laughs> cooler. It's part of the elegance of the game. It's part of what fooled me because I'm like, this rope must have some story significance to this game, right? <laughs> I was thinking, okay, what's the story? They, is this a tactical game where they teach people about it and have this rope there to be part of the lesson? Before we started playing or learn the rules of the game, I thought the rope was going to be this tug-of-war measurement piece in which it's an indicator of who's winning or who's losing. My guess was wrong. <laughs> Sometimes I think abstract games can allow players to take too long for their turns. What did you guys think of the pacing here? I thought like chess, you know, it's the kind of thing where that's almost an interesting part of the game is that how much thought you can put into your move and like to watch people think about it. I know that's not fun for everybody. For me, I really enjoy trying to figure out what's going through somebody's head when they're looking at this complex set of potential moves. For me, I think the game would be faster than the game of chess, but it's like chess. You're sitting there looking at the moves like, oh, what can I do? What can he do? Chess does have a clock. If you're playing tournament chess, you're not you, you're not allowed to have infinite amount of time. You do have to right. use a specific amount of time. But I didn't feel that kind of same pressure because I've played competition chess before. Uh, but this game is different. I did not find myself milling about my moves so hard as I would have probably in chess. I was more curious mm -hmm. just to kind of find out, let's try this and let's see what happens. Yeah, it's like playing chess with a bunch of rooks, you know, <laughs> like they don't have that many different choices. Each piece moves the same. So, <laughs> Yes, you do move them in a more simple fashion than chess, but they're connected in a more complex way. How was the game for you, Celeste? Because I know you can be very impatient sometimes. No, no, <laughs> I've what? heard that. What? I've heard that. That is what I was worried about, right? So with abstract games, I worry about that. Oh, is there going to be enough here to hold my interest while I have to sit and wait for somebody else to take their turn? I didn't feel like I was waiting too long uh, with the particular group we played with. And I didn't feel like it could end up forcing someone to take an extremely long time like chess can. I learned this game from Kurt, who was showing me this lovely little game he got, and I'm playing it along and moving the piece, and I can see him smirking as I move the piece, just just in a way <laughs> that he can push it off the board. He had my piece going off the board so fast, I didn't know, like, ah, I got, like, nothing left. <laughs> and these rules are, you'll learn them in 10 minutes. I suppose if you play speed chess, you can get it pretty fast, but I'm not that good. Speed show, boo. <laughs> Evan, what was your favorite part of this game? Trying to anticipate how my second 
move was dictated or must go based on my first move. In a sense, I was picturing the board almost three-dimensional as if one board were on top of another board because I got my two different colored boards in front of me. I tried to picture one above the other. So I kept getting that visualization in my mind and I liked that. I was kind of thinking of it while I played looking for specific moves that were stronger than other ones, like kind of like games like Othello where you're like, oh, I know that putting my piece in a certain starting spot or getting it into a certain position on the board is better. So the whole first game, I was just looking for those parts of the game where you can figure that strategy out it's very intriguing how moves can get stuck because of where stones are on the board like i want to be able to put that guy's stone over there but i don't have any piece i can move to make that move on the other board because the moves have to match and my stones are just not in the right position so now i'm starting to think oh i got to do some move to position stones over here so i can do this other type of move later And sometimes you almost have to abandon one of your boards and go, listen, this board here is not working out for me. I got to start making moves on this other board. Right. But you also got to be careful that other board that you're ignoring might be the one that he uses to knock all your pieces off. Something else I enjoyed was doing a little bit of color commentary as I was watching other people play. (laughs) And I found found the game lends itself to that. So I thought that was cool, too. (laughs) Yeah, because the players are so quiet and focused and lulled a little bit by the uh, natural woods and beautiful stone. We should play some of that background music that you fall asleep to while we're playing it next time with the river flowing or something like that. Ah, (laughs) well, we get totally zen here. I think I remember being frustrated during playing this game. I was playing against Ed while Evan was doing unnecessary (laughs) color commentary in my ear. The referee is giving instructions to the participants. This is a very important process. Now, can I move either board? You can move either one of these two boards on your side of the rope. And only say you move this one, one of them has to be on any one of these. If you move one on this, it has to be on one of these two. The referee is re-explaining the rules for the fourth time. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. Uh, Legal move. I was Mm -hmm. too caught up in my own windbaggedness. Windbaggery. Better than wind buggery. <laughs> what you were you were frustrated playing against Ed, a master strategist in a strategy game. Yeah, I, I don't even know if it was the strategy that was frustrating or maybe just waiting for him to take his turn. I don't remember. <laughs> when components this heavy are in a game, I sometimes worry about the box, the transportability of it. Ed, what's this box like? It's a relatively small box and it's heavy cardboard construction and the pieces fit in it, I think, very nicely. And it's like the size of um, a small hardcover book. Yeah, that's one of the advantages of having small split up boards. Packs up nicely. If I was telling my publisher, though, that I had a box with four pieces of wood and 36 rocks in it that I wanted to, <laughs> to produce. We can't afford shipping that around. Yeah. Box of rocks and a couple pieces of wood. <laughs> yeah. How would they feel about that? Yeah, they would be pretty sad about that. But when they see this game, it's awesome enough to make it worth shipping a bunch of rocks around. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Shobu. Evan? Cool strategy game. It's firing all the chess areas of my brain, and that means a dopamine release for me. So I'm digging it up. Mike? Creating a game that's this easy to learn, but really hard to rock out in is really difficult. Um, But this game nails it. I loved it. Dig it up. Ed? It looks and feels like a classic strategy game from the Far East. Dig it up. 
It is a clever and potentially fast moving game, which I appreciate. For those who like abstracts, they will be pleased. Dig it up for them. Ed, where can you find it? You can find Chobu online and at most local game stores. Run for about 30 bucks. If you have thoughts about Shobu, let us know. We are at Which Came First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Our next game up is Kapow, designed by Larry Baguki, Douglas Hetrick, and Carl Van Ostrand, published by Two Ton Porcupine in 2018. Number of players, two, ages 13 and up. Playtime, 20 to 30 minutes. Okay, when we wrestled this game away from Evil Mike while battling across the city rooftops, what were our first thoughts? Ed? We get to build our own dice? It's clobbering time. Evan? Comic book characters in a dice game? Dig it up. I mean, I can't wait to review it. (laughs) Mike? I feel like I'm about to travel back to the 60s to help Adam West fight some villains. I hope I'm not too distracted by building my dice from scratch that I forget (laughs) to duck when Ed takes a swing at me. But before we bash, crash, boom, bang our way through this review, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Kapow, it's superhero versus supervillain in this buildable dice game. Behind a player screen, the dice are rolled and then strategically allocated to attack, defense, and or power-up abilities. Players must decide how to build their dice pool and build action dice with removable faces that you customize to your liking, Celeste. Mm, Yeah. The fun is fast and furious. The first player to knock out their opponent wins the game. So was I the only one that built my dice with nothing but fists? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, (laughs) I think I think that's right. To be honest, I built a die almost exactly like that. It had one wild card side and the rest were fists because I wanted to guarantee to at least get a fist if I needed it or something else in an emergency. So what kind of game is this? It's a head to head dice building battle game. And you're rolling your dice, not just to attack your opponent, but also defend yourself from your opponent's attacks and also build up more dice, more powers and more everything else you need to deliver the knockout blow. Science. That was my favorite one. (laughs) I love adding new stuff to build my engine early. So that's the one I focused on first. I love the player boards being right there in front of you, listing every type of attack, defense, and power up that you could design for yourself right there. I loved how the dice could be used for all three things. So that's your decision is deciding how you want to spend your dice. And I think power up is obviously something you want to do early on so you can get better as you go. Yeah. But I think I do a little defense along the way and maybe you can sneak in a little punch every now and then. I mean, I kept my defense low. I played against Evan. I wanted him to hit me just a little bit so I could stay a couple of health points below him because that always makes you player one if you have less health than your opponent. And how awesome is it that you are preparing your dice in secret? Yeah, there's a screen in front of your area where you prepare your dice. And when you're both ready, you lift it up simultaneously to see what you did to each other. So cool. It's a kapow moment. Like, ha ha, I'm lifting my screen and this is what you're up against. It really can be a kapow moment, especially if you decided to go light on defense and the uh, your opponent went bananas on it that on oh, offense. Yeah, a couple times those reveals are like, oh, not, Don't. yeah, but like, <laughs> oh, I hope this works. <laughs> Some of those reveals are a wah, wah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> I love how they really do create a scene. It's basically a, fight scene built by dice 
each set of actions that you can do and set your dice up on has a name. Like one of them is like Biff. Dap. Yeah. <laughs> and another one's like, like dodge or whatever. So, you know, I try to Biff you in the face and then I dodge out of the way. Yeah. All right. Wow. Attack me. I attack you for five. I only have four in defense. Smack. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have a three base defense. I have a two base attack and a plus four attack kicker. Six. Six. Mine is. Well, what's the name, what's the name of your attack? Uh, it's called, oh, shellac. A shellac. I try to flip I out see. of the way, but he catches me in the air. My, actually, my zap, my zap was enhanced zap by my shellac. shellac. Oh, okay. Zap shellac. Yes, each attack type has a name. Each defense type has a name. Ed, you want to read some of those? Sure. Uh, zap, pow, conk, wallop, blah. <laughs> and of course, my favorite, clobber. <laughs> clobber. <laughs> <laughs> clobber. That's a nasty one. What are some of the defense names? Dodge, block, deflect, sidestep, dip around, and ambush. When you're building your offense and defense, you have three different categories. One is the starting attack part. Yeah, you have to start with a base attack. So if you don't have one of these bases, you got nothing. But if you have one, then you can add a kicker. And if you're really good, you can add a multiplier that takes all that stuff and then multiplies it for even more bang. Oh, so sweet. So sweet. But expensive. You got to use four dice on some of those uh, really tough multipliers. Oh, sick dice for the clobbering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the two dice have to match in order to trigger that that ability. And you have to be very careful because if you start allocating your dice and you want the super punch out or whatever it's going to be, you're not going to have too many other dice to either defend yourself or go ahead and continue to build your dice Mm -hmm. engine. And uh, let's talk about that precious third column. So you've got one column of attack, one column of defense. Now one column of power-ups. What are all the sweet, sweet things you can get in those power-ups? A key one to me is just getting more dice because Mm -hmm. more dice means more kapow. Yes. So one of the power-ups you can get is just either getting more of the regular dice or getting more custom sides for your customizable dice because there's two different dies in this game. Yeah, because the customizable dice are called action dice. Evan, what was your favorite thing on the power-up board? My favorite power-up was getting the regular dice. I thought the action dice were great. Don't get me wrong. I love being able to build my own custom dice. However, if you go ahead and you just take one of the standard dice that are out there, early on it works because you don't have to worry so much about how that die is going to build up your action die and how what faces you're going to have on it and take extra turns to build that. Bam, yeah. you choose a dice right away. It's got six faces on it. It's already fully usable in a sense. You got an extra die already. That's already more stuff you can do. I agree. That one's called a trait die. And it comes with five sides that have something useful on them and then a blank side. So it starts off really strong. And I loved how blanks doesn't mean a total useless die. There are some Mm -hmm. really basic spots you can put those dice into to at least get a little kick off or a little block off. So they're not totally useless. They just don't do much. A great design because a lot of spaces will say any die. The balance of where to put these dice and how to use them was brilliant. Straight up brilliant. I'm just going to say it. Brilliant. It was a really (laughs) brilliant design. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Can I talk about the comic book setting at all? Yes. Because the four of us, look, we 
all read comic books as kids. Uh-huh. I, I, I will be hard pressed to think that many in our audience did not read at least one comic book growing up or still do. Right. And this game had it. This game yeah. nailed it with the comic book feel. It's even just how the text reads and the different kinds shapes of the bubbles of the word bubbles and things. I mean, even on the shelf, it looks like a comic book almost. But like uh, on the cover, when you look at the cover, it looks exactly like a comic book cover with the little thin runner at the top with some words in it. And then like the little stamp in the corner, that's where you put the comic book brand into. It was awesome. Yes. On one of our recent patron only bonus points podcast episodes, we talked about art and how art can really sell a game. And I think in the case of this game, cover art is going to sell a lot of copies of this game. Yeah, the guts too. Everything inside the box just reminds you of a comic book and comic book characters. And my favorite part, the rule book. It looked like an actual comic book. I I thought it was just a bonus comic book. And then I looked through it and I'm like, oh, these are the rules. Everything about this layout of the rule book is a comic book. We snatched this copy on our way out. Uh, They were nice enough to give us a demo copy, but it didn't have all the pieces in it that we needed to play a specific hero or villain. This was at the Boston Fig? Yeah, this was Boston Fig. So we played um, generic characters, which just means that we didn't have any extra special abilities. And uh, I guess I wanted to call my character Captain Milk Toast. I was Ordinary Man. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know who's the villain out of those two, but... uh, My costume color was beige. (laughs) Yeah, I was pretty generic, too, in my uh, performance. I was kind of just like, hero girl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was your trusty sidekick. Comeback kid, because Mikey did all the comebacks for me because I was just like, yeah, well, that's just like your opinion. (laughs) And then I juiced it up. (laughs) Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Kapow. Evan? This might be the best dice game I've played this year. And Comic Heroes is one of my all time favorite game genres. Dig it up, up and away. (laughs) Ed? It's a fast duel game where you get to build and chuck your own custom dice. It's hard not to dig this up. Mike? This game is oozing with its theme from head to toe, and it was really fun to play, too, so definitely dig this up. I'll get you next time, Captain Milktoast. Hero Girl says, dig this one up so you can fight all the villains on your table. Roll those dice, everybody. We'll see you next time. Oh, wait, we're not closing yet? Dig it up. (laughs) Mike, where can you find it? You can find Kapow online at some local game stores. Runs for about 50 bucks. If you have thoughts about Kapow, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our last game up this week is Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, Everything is Connected, designed by Matt Fantastic, published by IDW Games in 2017. Number of players, three to eight, ages 16 and up, playtime, 20 to 60 minutes. Okay, when we first found this game while looking for our dog-eared copy of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, what were our first thoughts? Evan? I once quoted something from Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency on The Skeptic's Guide, so consider me an expert. (laughs) Ed? Everything connected. Cool. That means anything goes, right? Mike? Hey, is that Harry Potter? (laughs) (laughs) If this game has even a smidgen of the wit and cleverness of the Douglas Adams source material, it should be pretty good. But before we see how this review is connected to everything in the universe, Evan, tell us how it's played. 
In Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, Everything is Connected, the players take turns assuming the roles of detective and holistic detective, respectively, to spin two different explanations of the clues to tell their story of the crime. The assistants then select which version of the truth is more believable. The winner is the player who has solved the most cases correctly. Now, to solve the case, you have to think on your feet and remember that everything is connected. I'm detecting a theme here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Three words. Everything is connected. I, that kind of what runs throughout the course of the game? <laughs> At least if you're playing the holistic detective, it does. So what kind of game is this, guys? There's cards in the box. Anything else? It's a storytelling game. Apples to apples. So, Mike, as you said, it's an apples to apples type of game. It's a little more complex than apples to apples because you actually have to come up with a story. In apples, you just throw your card out there and they may or may not ask you why you chose that. Two different players take some of the cards that are in front of you and try to tell a tale. So thematically, you're playing two different types of detectives, right? One, the holistic detective who tries to connect everything to everything else in the universe. So the idea, I believe, there is that they could connect any clue to any person of interest. (laughs) I like it. There are some random clues and random persons of interest that show up. I didn't really see that in the game, though, because they both did exactly the same thing, except one person got to choose their clue first. If you were a fan of the television show, you would know that one detective is expected to do a more mundane presentation. And then the holistic detective is supposed to sort of do a wacky, everything's connected style presentation. Something more fantastical. It may not have been that specific in the rules. And I'm wondering if they should have done more with that. So are they requiring sort of your role-playing expertise to come to the forefront here? Role-playing would definitely help. If you're playing to a judge that appreciates a good performance, then I suggest you put your role-playing hat on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And hopefully your friends are the type who can really appreciate somebody putting in the time (laughs) and effort to whip something completely (laughs) crazy up. What did you guys think of the cards? Uh, there are three decks in a the game. There's the mystery deck, which provides the mystery of what you're trying to solve. For example, is there life on Mars? Where is Elvis hiding? And who smuggled in the elephant? Another deck is the person of interest. There are several persons of interest every round. One wow. mystery and several persons of interest. These are people who might have committed the crime. For example, a mad inventor. A retired time lord or a lunch lady. My favorite was the sad millennial. Yeah. (laughs) And then the third deck are clues. These are dealt out depending on the number of players out there. And examples are bright pink rubber boots, a leftover piece of bread, or the world's largest ball of string. For me, the, the mysteries should have sounded more like they could be added to the case of the, because you're investigators, you know, it didn't sound right. Like, is there life on Mars? Isn't something like you'd investigate as an investigator? I don't know. If you're holistic. Well. Yeah, but it didn't seem like a crime. One of the mysteries is who finished the toilet paper and didn't replace it. Now that's, that's a mystery worth solving, frankly. That is a legit <laughs> crime. <laughs> What did you guys think of performing this? Did it flow? Was it fun as a game? I had a tough time performing for this just because I wasn't really feeling the 
mystery that much. Uh, for me, it was a, a little bit of a challenge because I'm not really great at storytelling. And then they're trying to take all these disconnected pieces and, and try to make them into something interesting and then have to follow Mikey. Because <laughs> Mikey will come up with some weird stuff like, oh, <laughs> yes, uh, we'll weaponize aromatherapy. <laughs> well, they, there was a scented candle in the scene as one of the clues. So, of course, and a, it was a mad scientist was one of the person of interest. So I said, of course, the candle leads me to believe that he was experimenting with his weaponized aromatherapy. I mean, Mike, you did just fine with this game. <laughs> even if you even if you felt a little bit frustrated, it didn't show in your performance. Mm. Evan, you weren't there. How do you think I did? Based on what I know of you? Yeah. Oh, you knocked it out of the park. <laughs> I loved it. I had a great time playing it. It was so fun. The holistic detective was definitely my favorite because you got to go first, which means you got your pick of the clues and That's you good. got the pick of your person of interest to associate them with. And then you always left the next guy with a hard act to follow. I also did love listening as the judge to Ed struggle through what was some of the most mundane stories I have ever heard. <laughs> I think one of them was there was a pothole as a clue. Pothole the size of a Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> and Ed probably said something like, uh, this person of interest fell in and died. Yeah, yeah that's basically <laughs> what he said. <laughs> I like it. Straightforward. To the eternal question of do dogs have souls? It was first, you know, you have to know that a stab millennial encountered this call and then Don scuba gear to go down into the deepest ocean to find out if dogs have souls. You got to see it's all connected. Uh, okay. That's it. That's the whole story. Mm. This book was delightful. The Douglas Adams book, I actually liked it better than Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, what? if that's a thing. that Yeah, if that can uh. be said. Um, and I have to recommend for our audience, if you're going to watch one of the television versions, I actually mm -hmm. prefer the first version, which came out starring Steve Mangan. You can watch it on Amazon now. It came out in 2012, starring Steve Mangan as the holistic detective and Darren Boyd as the other detective, Macduff. It was a complete knockoff <laughs> of the very popular Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock that was out at the time, uh -huh. right down to the fact that Mangan had the exact same haircut as Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock. So in that way, it was a, a lot of the same funny chemistry between the two of them that Sherlock and Watson had, That and the performances were amazing. The um, Elijah Wood version, and by the way, that one came out in 2016 as a TV series, and Elijah does not play the holistic detective. He's the straight. If you had to watch one, I'd recommend the first one. Can you guys believe that Matt Fantastic designed this game too? This guy is all over the map on designs, isn't he? He's got his fingers in many pies. Baranoia was another game that he designed, as a matter of fact. We played that. He likes them short and sweet. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, Everything is Connected. Ed? Storytelling games are not necessarily my favorite, but they can be nice for light gaming silliness. Definitely better than apples or apples, in my opinion. For just that, I will dig it up. Mike? I love you, Matt. Fantastic. And I love stringing together random thoughts to form a story. But this one just didn't grab me, so I have to bury it. I came into this game as a fan of the source material. 
And it's hard for me to bury any game where you can role play your way to victory. So dig it up. Mike, where can you find it? You can find this game online and at some of your local gaming stores for about 30 bucks. If you have thoughts about Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency, Everything is Connected, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. And if you'd like more perks and content from our show, including exclusive episodes and our bonus points show every week, just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. If you get a chance, please leave us a rating or a review on your favorite podcaster or anywhere on the web. It really helps others find the show. Happy gaming, explorers. Stay safe. May the forces of evil be temporarily confused on your way home. And don't fall into any Volkswagen-sized potholes. They're deadly. Deadly, I tell you. <laughs>